Well, again, it is so good to have you with us on Resurrection Sunday. And I know we've mentioned a day we never thought would be like this. But we believe that the tomb is empty and we believe that God has something to speak to us today. Just want to let you know a couple things. One, many of you guys are wearing pastels. You're decked out in your Easter best, whether it's pastels or Easter dresses, bow ties, whatever it is. We would love for you to take a picture of yourself if you, if you like, if you feel comfortable, and use the hashtag Praxis in Pastels. That'll help us see that you're following along and joining in with us. So get the family together if you feel comfortable and do that. The other thing is there's no animated Bible story in our liturgy today. But there is a full kids and parents experience available on our website right under this video. And it's a whole Easter story. There's actually activities involved, coloring sheets you can print off. There's fun for the entire family as we come around this story. So if you're a parent, we really do encourage you to take advantage of that. Now, we've been wrestling for a number of months about the theme for this Sunday. And all before everything went down and we've been secluded in our homes, we've just really felt like this idea of God's love has just kept coming back, especially since we launched the church, relaunched our church uh, in February 2019. And I've just kept I've just kept coming back in my mind and my heart to this idea that God is love. It was actually A.W. Tozer who infamously said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think one of the questions all of us have to wrestle with is, what comes to your mind when you think of God? Is it old man in the sky? For some of us, maybe the old guy in the sky with the big gray beard? Is it wrathful? I just, the more I run into people, they have this idea, and sometimes it's even perpetuated by the church, that God is this God of wrath and wanting blood or revenge. And it's interesting how that narrative kind of plays itself out. For others, they kind of press into deism and God is distant and far. Maybe there's a creator, but he's far away. It's interesting, there's actually a guy in the New Testament, his name is John, who wrote, a few small letters to some churches in the ancient Near East. He was helping these churches. These were new church plants, learning and practicing the way of Jesus. You have to remember, we have 2,000 years of history that we've developed to be the church that we are today in the West. But these churches in the first century were just really wrestling through how to even follow Jesus. And there's this guy named John who wrote these letters. Now, we don't know if this is the disciple John that walked with Jesus. In the ancient Near East, in the first century, sometimes it was hard with names to know exactly. There's multiple guys that had the name John, so we're not exactly sure who it is. But either way, whether it's John the Disciple or John the Elder, he writes a letter to help these churches out and really drill down on what's important for them as they practice the way of Jesus. And I just think it's beautiful because it puts on display really the most important thing in all the scripture. So if you have a Bible, we're actually going to, we read the scripture. If you're new, every week we read the scriptures together. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bible, free Bibles online. You just Google it. You'll find that there are apps for your phone. Most now don't even have physical paper in their hands. I like a physical paper Bible, but for recording purposes on Easter, I have my iPad this morning. But I just want to read this to you. This is 1 John 4. Listen to what John actually says about this whole thing and how it shapes up. This is what God is like. Ready? Verse 9 says this. It'll also be on the screen. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the, on the love God has, has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete amongst us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Now, it doesn't need, you you don't need to be a rocket scientist. Even if you're just brand new and watching this, you've never had any exposure to the Bible or anything. There's kind of a word in here that kind of stands out. And of course, there's really two words that stand out. Love and God. This word love litters the pages of John's writing here. And I think we need to take notice of that. It's interesting that as John is helping these churches, one thing is actually going down contextually in the churches that John is helping. We know a couple things. We know that there's actually a group of people within these house churches. That's what they were in the ancient Near East. We know that there's division. And one of the things is there's actually a group that has kind of left the church And there's all sorts of theological problems. One, there's this group that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And one of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to persuade people in these house churches away from that. So John writes very, very clearly about the divinity of Jesus and trying to help them understand and continue on in the faith and continue on as these communities. And these people are actually stirring up hostility to those who are trying to remain strong and faithful in the church. And so Ron, John John writes these letters. They're poetic, very poetic. And it's interesting, if that's the context of these letters, and especially 1 John, we have to think through the importance of what he's actually saying here. Because as John is helping these churches think correctly, to remember that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, and not to be persuaded by other people, he drills down on the most important thing. Here's how the right way to think is. This is what John is saying. Here's how the right way to think is. Ready? God is love. God is love. So you have the divinity of Jesus. You have all sorts of conflict. But remember before you, remember this most central thing. That above whatever somebody tries to tell you and persuade you from the outside, God is love. That in essence, this is who God is. I think it's helpful to understand that in essence, it's who God is. Sometimes people will say, well, God is wrathful, but he's also merciful. And we see Jesus doing this and that. I come from the persuasion that what John is saying here is the most central thing. That God is is love and then everything out of his love flows from out of him. And so how do we define this, right? How do we define love? Because I was thinking this week, you know, I've often thought of love, you know, when the first time I saw Heather for the first time, I felt love. She was known as the girl in the pink sweater. 
Or I remember when my daughter Ava was born, and I, well, we have four kids, and I remember each of them when they were born, but specifically Ava as the oldest one, and 30 hours Heather was in labor, and finally she comes, and she's in my arms, and these little beady eyes looking up at me. Man, I, f- I felt in that moment it felt like love. But it's interesting what John is actually doing here because he uses this word agape, which is a very common word in the New Testament. And really, this is the highest form of love. And what I love about it is the way that we get this particular definition is by looking at what God has done through Jesus. The definition of love is actually what God puts on display. So just a few things for us on this Easter Sunday morning, you're stuck in your home, but we can be together. Just a few thoughts around what this means, what John is trying to communicate here. First of all, love comes from God. This kind of love, this kind of agape, the highest form of love that we see, it comes from God. But it's also, I would say, it's also God that defines love through action. So the definition of love here is in verse 9. I don't know if you grew up in the church, but I grew up in the church. There was this band back in the late 80s, uh, 90s, back when I was in junior high. They were called DC Talk. Come on, anybody, where's my conservative Christian friends? Let's go. All right, DC Talk. And they had this song called Love is a Verb. And I think it's right from here what John is trying to say. How do we define what love is? Because I can say I love my wife. I can say I love my daughter. I can say I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm a little deprived right now because there's no Toronto Maple Leaf hockey. I could say that I love tacos, which I think I do, but obviously not in the same light as what I love my wife and my daughter. You get the point, right? So what is love? Well, John defines it. This is how it is. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. So this is the definition. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So the definition of love, the definition of agape is what God has done for us in Jesus. And may I just remind you, and we talked about this on Good Friday, um, you know, it's interesting, John here connects atonement and the work of Jesus, not to wrath or revenge or trying to get back. That's what some people actually think. The better and more beautiful story is that John connects atonement to the love of God. Love is displayed. Again, I think DC Talk maybe had it right that love is a verb. It's actually in action. It goes, this kind of agape goes deeper than just what we feel in this moment. So, Love comes from God. Love is defined by God through action. And also say this, every act God does and performs and moves out of is out of love. I just want all of us to know this morning that you're loved by God. You're created in his image. Certainly we're broken as humans. We need to be repaired. We need to be reconciled. We need to be brought back. But every act of God is his love working in us and in the world. So love comes from God. Love is defined through action. Every act that God does is out of his love for us. And then the challenge is, and it's interesting, we're not off the hook, that we as humans, and now we know this being written to the church especially, we are to be like God and we're to love each other. That you and I, to be a reflection of the God who is love, The way now that we reflect that to the world is we love 
one another. We're not off the hook. That the way we treat each other and walk in unity and love with each other is actually how we put on display. That one of the things, certainly the gospel is news, this news of Jesus becoming king. But it's also, I think, something that we embody. We embody this idea of loving one another. We embody the way of Jesus together. And so I just want us to think about this, that God is love, and now he's called us to be a community of love. Now, to close, it's just interesting in verse 15 and 16, because John actually says this. He says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, what does he say? God lives in them, and they in God. And then verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. It's crazy to think that the invitation is actually out for you and I this morning. Whether you've been at this for a long time like I have, been around the church and heard about the love of God my entire life, or this is brand new, the invitation is out. Anyone who acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, you are in Christ. You know the love of God. And then it goes on and says, we can actually rely on the love of God every single day. And I just think it's important for all of us this morning just to wrestle through, do you and I acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we acknowledge that He is the Messiah? Do we acknowledge that He has come, He's given His life, and He's defeated sin and death through burial and resurrection? I ponder this this morning as I come to this text from my own life. And for those of you guys that are watching, I just hope for our own community and even beyond that, we would know the love of God, but it takes turning from ourselves, turning from our sin and brokenness and putting our trust in Jesus and acknowledging that he is the son of God. I love the emphasis again on that we then can rely on the love of God every single day. So as a community, we want you to know that God loves you. He's inviting you into his kingdom. He wants you to join in on the renewal, the reconciliation of all things. We believe as a community that Jesus is not leaving and hanging us. God is not leaving us out to dry, but that the telos, the end of this story, is that God is coming. And what he, what he inaugurated through Jesus, his kingdom, his kingdom in totality is going to come to earth as it is in heaven. And the way into that kingdom is through repentance and faith through acknowledgement of your sin, your brokenness, and trusting Jesus. And my hope is that you've been, whether you've been on this journey forever or this is like brand new to you, that we could all do that this morning. Can I pray for us? Wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, I know in very unique circumstances, normally we're together, we're partying, we're hanging out. But for this morning, let me just pray for us that we would all, wherever you are, with an earshot of this, would experience the love of God. Father, I thank you for today such unique circumstances, but I pray that you would use this time. You've showed us what love is. You define it by the self-sacrificial love of giving your son for us. And I just pray for those that are watching, listening, wherever they, wherever people are, wherever they're at on their journey and their story, may we just be compelled and drawn in to you putting on display for us the love of God. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for defeating sin and death. Thank you that a tomb is empty and because of that, everything changes. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been so great to have you guys with us. Hey, listen, if maybe this is new to you and you feel like God is moving and working in your life and calling you and, 
and inviting you into his kingdom and you want to respond to that, we would love to help with that. In any of the videos, if you want to do that publicly, under in the comment sections, you can let us know. But as well, we would love for you to reach out at mypraxis.church. We'd love for you to reach out and we'd love to walk with you in this journey. We believe following Jesus, this risen Messiah, is what life is all about. You can also email us at hello at mypraxis.church. We would love to help in any way. We also know that there's, uh, with everything that's going on, there's a lot of things going on. And with that comes challenges. There's people out of work, there's different things going on. And we want to be of service to that. This month in our budget at Praxis, one of the things we want to do is help with the different needs in our city. And we've designated $500 out of our monthly budget to be able to help with some of the things going on in our city with food distribution and different things. This month we were able to help with uh, food distribution that had kind of run low and we were able to go and purchase a couple hundred dollars worth of food just to support for that. And so one, we want to know if some of the things that are going on and where we can help. But if you'd love to contribute to help in some of these ways, there's also a tab right now on our giving website called Spring Outreach. And we're just joining in together to help meet some of the needs in our own community. The only announcement is this, before you go and you have your Easter egg hunts or you do whatever you do, eat, eat dinner, lunch or whatever, we just want to let you know that next week we'll be back online. I know this is kind of a new normal or new reality or whatever we want to call it. We start a brand new series, a six-week six week teaching series next week called Tide. It's Easter Tide. It's the season of Easter Tide in the church. If you don't know this, Easter is actually really six weeks in the season. And so we're going to celebrate Easter together with a series called Tide, where we're going to look at the different stories of Jesus showing up to people and absolutely changing their lives. We hope you can join us. Join us at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at mypraxis.church on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to join us. We love you. Have an amazing Easter. Grace and peace, friends.